Are you struggling in your faith? Are you pretending you're happy but stuck in a spiritual rut? Are you tired of listening to famous pastors and preachers who make it sound so easy? Welcome to Broken Catholic, the number one Protestant and Catholic voice in America. I talk about the important things that nobody else is talking about, like how to align with God's plan for your life, because I believe this is where 90% of Christians get stuck. And I tackle the negative self-talk that we all secretly struggle with but won't admit. My guests are brave Protestants and Catholics who share their struggles, their fears, and their daily holy habits that help them win in their spiritual lives. I'm your host, your coach, your friend, Joseph Warren. I'm also a broken Catholic and former atheist and a spiritual coach to Christian business owners and CEOs who are married with children. This show was created for you, the broken Catholic, who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. Today, my featured guest is Rich Lewis. You can find him at silenceteaches.com. And Rich Lewis is an author, he's a speaker, he's a coach who focuses on centering prayer as a means of inner transformation. He's going to tell you more about what he uh, means by that. He teaches centering prayer in both his local and virtual community and offers one-on-one coaching uh, as well, right? To teach people, how do you do that? How do you get like quiet with God? Like, why do you get quiet with God? Is it even necessary to get quiet with God? What's the benefit? You're busy. You're important. You got a busy job. You got a family. Like, who's got time for a God? I'm not just being ridiculous in my statements. This is how we live. So Rich's new book is titled Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. So Rich Lewis, welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast on iTunes for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and take 60 seconds. Uh, just fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Sure. No, thanks for having me on. I, I really appreciate it. And some of the gaps we'll talk about, but I guess I've been uh, practicing centering prayer since late 2013, and I had always been attracted to silence. I just didn't know what to do in this silence. So I would just sit and do it. And it was brutal. But I persisted for one or two minutes. I had read books by Carl McCullman, and he talked about the power of, of silence. But then I came across a book in late 2013 by Amos Smith called Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. And he talked about a practice he had been doing in the silence for about 15 years called Centering Prayer. So that immediately intrigued me. Actually, two things in his book intrigued me. He talked about that, and he talked about what he called the Jesus paradox, Jesus being God and human at once. So I reached out to him on his website and began a back and forth dialogue, and I began learning more about Centering Prayer, and I began practicing Centering Prayer um, at that point, and I've been doing so really since that point. So that's a little bit about me and how I found Centering Prayer. Awesome. Okay, so let's like go back in time here for a minute, okay? Uh, share something personal about you that very few people in your business life actually know. Um, I, I guess I would say, uh, I, I guess I've been to Russia about six times. 
Moscow, Russia, through the, we couldn't have children, uh, my wife and I initially, so we took the adoption route. Someone in our church at that time had, had adopted from Russia, and we were talking with them. So I've been to Russia, I think it's five or six times as a result of the process and actually adopted two children from Moscow, Russia. So I, I guess I don't generally talk about that, and I don't generally, they're my kids, so I don't refer to them as my adopted children, but I've been to Russia five or six times through that process, so in 98, and then in 2001, a couple times as well. Pretty cool, man. Nice little detail to know about you there, you know? <laughs> and thanks for giving those two children uh, a family, right? And... Uh, so many of us take for granted that we were gifted a family when we were born and millions of children aren't. So thank right. you. I acknowledge you and your wife for that. All right. Let's uh, again, go back in time. And were you raised in a, a faith filled home? Uh, what denomination was present? If, if so, kind of walk us through the early years, formation years into adolescent and uh, just to kind of tell us that story. Sure. Um, I wasn't actually. My mother passed away when I was three and a half. So if she hadn't, she died of diabetes. She was Catholic. I probably would have been Catholic. Um, but she passed away. And I guess my father kind of fell away from from the church. Um, so during really no background of church other than I think I remember at about when I was a teenager, my parents went for about a year or so to a Unitarian church. So I remember going there and, and that was, I remember the only thing I really enjoyed about it was that they had donuts and, and juice afterwards. So I, I remember enjoying the donuts and juice afterwards. Um, the discussions I thought were rather boring that we, we went to, I, I remember. So I wasn't raised in any type of background, but I did believe in God. I just didn't know what to make of God. And then I began, I guess I began exploring God in high school. I was invited to a bunch of friends were going to a youth group on Thursday nights that was backed by a Baptist church. And I got invited and I, and I went along and a huge group of, of about 90 to 100 kids that went every Thursday. So I started going to that. And that's when I started learning more about God, and I and I actually put a Bible on my hands and began reading the, the New Testament and trying to make sense out of it. So that's a little bit of my background. So Unitarian Church, and then really not an introduction to God until early high school by going to a youth group once a week on Thursday nights, backed by a Baptist church. You know, the Baptists, they're just so good at bringing us in. Bringing us to God and saying, hey, do you want a friend in Jesus? You look like a lonely kid, you know, like, <laughs> and there's so many of us that are lonely and, and figuring ourselves out. And uh, what a great, uh, you know, opportunity for evangelism as we're young adults figuring out life. Um, so that's awesome. That's awesome. So, uh, did you like develop that deep relationship with Jesus that was told to you? Uh, or was there like this long, arduous process that many of us go on of like, we, we speak about the relationship we have with God, but we never have really experienced true, authentic friendship and sharing our lives with him. 
I would say at that time, it was probably more of a fear-based <laughs> relationship. I think I was more fearful of God. And I know we'll get to the, you know, more in the present and how centering prayer has changed me. But I, I think God has changed for me. Well, God hasn't done any changing. It's my perception <laughs> of God. But so back then, it, it was more of a, I believed in God, but I didn't know what to make of God. And, and it was more of a fear-based God up in the sky looking down at me and rich making sure, am I is he happy with me? Am I doing the right things? Is he pleased with me or is he disappointed with me? So probably a lot of that thinking. So I continued to read you know, the Bible and I continued to pray to him, but I think I was more scared of him than, than had an intimate relationship. And I don't think that, and now I know that's not what God wants. He doesn't want me to be scared to death of him. And God certainly loves me and, and is not disappointed in me. Um, but that's really what it was, I guess, probably through high school and, and even through through college and continued to be that way for a number of years until I you know, began finding silence and then God or my perception of God began changing. Mm. Thank you for walking us through that. I think so many listeners can relate uh, to being raised with a performance-based faith uh, and relationship in God. If I perform well, God loves me. When I mess up, make mistakes, don't perform well, God wants nothing to do with me. And I have to grovel back uh, and beg and plead for his love, his forgiveness, his affection. Uh, so many people grow up in those kind of toxic uh, parental relationships with their human parents. And uh, we project it on our, our, our heavenly father. And we go, well, if my daddy, my human daddy or my human mommy was this way, well, then Heavenly Daddy is this way. And like you said, we make God into our image and likeness rather than realizing, oh, we're made in his imaging likeness. He's calling me to be greater, bigger, um, and, and he never changes. Just our perception of him changes, as you said very well. All right, so as your perception of God started to change and he allowed that and gave you that gift that he's so much more than your performance and you're so much more than your performance, Rich. Um, how did that impact your life? I guess I began becoming more comfortable in my own, in my own skin and, and I began becoming more comfortable with God and, and I began reading more and, and reading other scholars and, and theologians and, and books just to learn more about God and, and what else what else can I learn about God and theology and, and the New Testament? And then I guess I really that's when I stumbled across silence and, and that silence can be powerful and that God can be found in the silence of centering prayer. So walk us through that story. Tell us what happened when you found silence. Um, and then when you practice silence, because it, it's like you said, it's a very painful experience in the beginning when you just sit there and like wait. Um, and you're like, am I doing this right? Because I feel like I'm not getting anything happening here. Um, so kind of walk us through. Tell us that story. Yeah. Right. And, and, as, and as I mentioned very at the beginning, you know, I, I, had, I had heard silence is powerful. So I would, I would sit in silence for one or two minutes and set a timer and just sit there. And it was brutal, but I persisted. But then I've fortunately, God probably 
pointed me out to a book on Amazon. I was simply cruising Amazon, looking for a book to read, saw Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots, got this, the Kindle version of the book, discovered centering prayer in the book. So suddenly I had a practice like, aha, this is what I can do in the practice. Here, here is a Christian silent prayer practice that's been around for about 50 years that I can do in the silence. And then suddenly silence wasn't as brutal. And, and it, it, it was kind of a neat thing in that, I don't know what's magical about the date, but June 1st, 2014, I don't know what's so magical about that date, but I decided to jump in the centering prayer swimming pool and practice as much as possible on a daily basis, twice a day for 20 minutes. And, I, and I've been doing that since. And it, like I said, I don't know what's magical about it other than the practice resonated well with me. And it was an, an easy way for me to sit with God, um, like my book says. And, and yeah. it's been a very easy and wonderful way just to sit and be with God um, since June of 2014. I, and I have other ways of praying verbal prayer. But, sure. And I tell people, don't give up you know, verbal prayer and other ways you pray. Just complement it, perhaps, with a silent prayer practice. So things changed. Centering prayer cha changed it for me and made it easy to sit in the silence. What I'm hearing you say is that you found a tool that worked for you, a spiritual tool that worked for you, a prayer tool that worked for you. And so many times we give up on prayer, we give up on God and hearing from him or speaking with him because we don't have the right tool to communicate with him. Uh, when you discovered centering prayer, I'd like you to uh, just take a minute and uh, share with my audience what is centering prayer because we're talking we're using this term this label but like what the heck is it and uh you know speak to a seven-year-old rich you got little seven-year-old rich little boy in front of you and he's right. like what's centering prayer how do i okay. do it and and teach him perfect uh, and it's neat that you say that because when I started practicing centering prayer, my son, uh, my youngest son is eight. So, um, and Perfect. he actually wanted to understand it. So I taught him and we would do it together. So what'd but, you tell him? So um, what I told him, well, obviously I didn't tell him that's been around for 50 years and it was created by uh, three Trappist monks, three Catholic priests in the early 1970s. So that, those are for the adults. <laughs> <laughs> but for, for, for someone that really just wants to understand what it is, you sit, you sit comfortably, close your eyes. To start your prayer, you just introduce what we call a word, a sacred word. So it could be God, ocean, or a color, one or two uh, syllables set in your mind. And then whenever you begin thinking thoughts and planning what you're going to do after you're, you get up from this sit or whenever you begin thinking about what you did before your sit, you realize you're not sitting with God anymore. You're sitting with your planning and your plotting and all your own goals. You're not really sitting with God. You reintroduce, so what you do is reintroduce that sacred word in your mind to come back to God and the purpose of sitting with God and opening to God who is within you, who is within your heart. And you just keep doing that when needed. So whenever you begin realizing you're sitting with you and not God, you reintroduce the sacred word to come back to God. And you do that when needed. So you don't use it as a mantra over and over again. You just use it when needed. But that's really, that's how you do the, uh, the prayer. That sounds simple. It is. Is it really that simple? 
what's not simple is some, for some people sitting in silence for uh, five, 10, 15 minutes seems like an eternity. <laughs> so that's maybe that's the hard part or, or they begin thinking about, I'm too busy to do this. I have other things to do. Or for example, I do two sits and my second sit is right before lunch. Some people will say, I don't have time for a second sit. I'm too busy. And, and I'll tell them, take the time because it actually has a way of giving you back time. It's you and God sitting together and then you and God getting up from your sit and partnering with God in the second half of your day. Is, so, and that's what I've discovered is it has a way of giving me back time and it has made me more productive when I look back you know, at five or six o'clock in, in the evening and I look back at those four hours that have passed or so since my sit, I'm amazed at what, what I've done. And it's because God and I reconnected and then partnered. So it's not, I, it's not you sit with God and then goodbye, God, I'll see you at the next sit. You sit with God and then you walk with God is, is the way I think of it. It's God comes with you. It's not, you're not sitting with God twice a day and then saying, I see you at my sits. You, you, God comes with you. That's a beautiful way to look at it is that you intentionally block out time in your day to sit and be with God, to be still and know that he is God in those moments. And then after you complete your sit time with him, you stand and walk together through your life right? until the next time you sit and recline together. What a simply beautiful way uh, to see relationship with our maker. So Rich, let me ask you, what has come out of these sit sessions? Um, what's been like the best answer to prayer or the biggest moment of clarity or the the next step uh, that you were wrestling with some challenge or struggle and it was revealed to you in this sit time with God? I guess what I would say, um, I, I sit with God simply because I love God and I want to trust God and get out of the way. And then what I notice outside of the sit times is how God has blessed me and graced me with what God knows I need. So if I think about Rich before 2013 and then after 2013 of practicing centering prayer, um, I'm a much more excited person to live life and God wants me to enjoy life. So I think I'm much more excited to live life. I'm a much more confident person. I'm a much calmer person. I'm less reactive, still work in progress in that area, but I'm less reactive, more, more willing to listen to people and just be quiet and hear them out and, and hear an opinion that's different than mine other than ready to, to fight it. I think I get nudges to get out of my comfort zone and try and do new things that, you know, that perhaps scare the heck out of me, but God wants me to do. And then just uh, wisdom for tasks kind of pop into my head um, that, I, that I can't resolve. Like I remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was driving my daughter home from Wawa and uh, which is a convenience store. I think, are you in Florida? I think maybe you know what they are, but I'll say Wawa. And some people are like, what is Wawa? <laughs> but It's got a, a goose on it. It's a duck. So I always, laugh. I always like to say that. But I, an answer to a, a work solution popped into my head on the car ride home that had been stumbling me of how to figure out. And I wasn't trying to figure it out at the time. It just popped into my head. So I immediately got home and it was a Saturday and just wrote it down. So I didn't lose it so that I could use it on Monday. But those types of things, God has graced me with all of that as I think about it. So, and if you talk to any center and prayer practitioner or person who practices contemplative practice, they'll probably share with you similar types of stories. 
What would you say to someone that says, Rich, that sounds really great, bro. Like, seriously, awesome. Um, but like that solution to your work problem, that's just your subconscious mind was working on it the whole time and it came up with it. Like, how do you know that's God? Seriously, man. What would you say to them, Rich? Well, I guess I th- we think of centering prayer um, as it's two things. It's, it's meditation, but then it's more than that. It's a relationship with God. So during centering prayer, if you think about it, you're letting go and opening to the presence and actions of God within. And it's really a reverse prayer. God is praying in you what you need and what you need could, could be inner peace or wisdom or calmness or, or, or nudges to get out of your comfort zone or wisdom for tasks that have eluded you. So for me, that that's, I've seen it. I mean, the, the, I guess I can't prove anything to anybody, but I can just, my own life experiences have been amazing since I've been practicing centering prayer and not just meditating, but sitting with God and opening to God and trusting God. Mm. So you said earlier, and, and you wrote this to me uh, offline in the email, you said, by nature, Joseph, I'm an anxious person until I calm myself. And you said you find this still calmness in this time with God when you just sit with him. Um, speak to us about anxiety. Uh, this is a big problem uh, in the world right now, especially when we're living in a, a time of things outside our control that are clearly outside our control. And we try to control them and we can't, even our own health at this time and and. You were gracious with me. I had to reschedule uh, this show uh, because I was down with COVID uh, painfully for seven days. It lasted. I had every symptom you could think of, fevers, chills, bedridden for 30 plus hours, couldn't get up, weakness, etc. Literally felt like I was dying. Never experienced anything like that physically in my life. Um, like... How do you bring all that anxiousness, that powerlessness of your life into the centering prayer? And what has God done in that area for you in your life? How has your life changed? Sure. And and it's just never, I guess every Monday I I wake up probably more anxious than others because I know it's the start of a work week and I'm going to, I've been working from home for about a year and a half now since March of 2020 with kind of no end in sight. And, And I'm okay with that. Um, but every Monday morning I wake up and, and I begin thinking about all the emails that, that I have to read through and the, and the, any client situations that I have to deal with, deal with at work. And all these thoughts start happening. And it's almost like every Monday, and I've been working for this firm for about 30 years now, they come. <laughs> so centering, what, what the nice thing about centering prayer for me is I, I, I actually will just let them go. So as I begin my centering prayer practice on Monday morning, and I do it first thing in the morning, I'll kind of speak it to God. So I'll just say, I, I let go of my anxiety to you of what I know I need to get done today and don't know I, about until I open up my emails and, and see it. And then I just sit with God and, and let go of the anxiety. And it's just been amazing. I, when I, after my sits, I'm, I'm, I am calmer and, and I'm ready to go. But it's just funny how it, almost every Monday I wake up anxious thinking, and God's probably just saying, come on, Rich, stop this. You know, Just let go, give it to me, and that's to begin the day. But So that's been my experience. I, I wake up nervous. I let it go to God, speak it to God, and say, I give it to you and then do my practice. And then 
walk downstairs and, and go into the den and, and turn on the computer and start my day. And, and, and I'm always calmer. <laughs> it just seems to be that way. But I need that sit. If I don't do the sit, I think I'd have a not a very good start of the day. <laughs> I hear that. Thank you for walking us through that. BC Nation, you've heard me share on this show many times before uh, a daily practice that changed my life. Um, and that was uh, to spend one hour a day in silence with God. And Rich has given you the easy version, in my opinion. Uh, he's given you a 10-minute challenge, maybe a 15-minute challenge. And it's okay to start that way for sure. And uh, I know the clients I work with that come to me with areas of their life that just aren't working or aren't working as well as they could be. They just kind of feel pinned down by these heavy rocks uh, in their marriage or in their parenting or at work or the relationship with God. And and they're like, what do I do? And I'm like, well, we're going to invite God in to blow up these rocks in your life so that you never have to deal with them again. Like, Because when God heals, it's done. Like God never left a person in the Bible in the healing process after he walked away from them. He said, you're healed. You're done, right? Because that's what God does. So for anyone out there who battles addiction or uh, chronic types of uh, disorders, anxiety, depression, and you just think this is my lot in life, that I have to be this way. I just, this is who I am. It's my identity. I'm an addict. I'm a this, I'm a that. This is lie. These are lies of the enemy. And I had to battle these myself in my own life. And the way I got rid of them was exactly what Rich is teaching you right now. Is to sit quietly with God and do what I call a surrender prayer. He calls it, you know, hey, I give it to God. Every morning I give my anxiety to God. Yeah, he surrenders it up to God. He says, God, you're God. I'm not. This is too big for me. I can't deal with this. You take it. Right? And it's that childlike dependency on your father that he waits for every single day. And so many of us don't want to give him our burdens, our rocks, our stones, the, the stuff that just piled on us. We're like, no, I'm going to do it myself. I just got to work on it. I got to work harder on it. And you're like, Dude, you've been doing that for how many years? 20? How's it going? <laughs> like, right? And we just got to like, as men, Rich, you know this, as men, we're so stubborn. We just like won't ask for help from others or from God. And God's like right there saying, give me your burdens. I can take them. I'm strong enough. You're not. You're buried, son. You're buried. You're like in a pile of skadoosh. Like, what are you doing? Right? And... Rich, it wasn't until I did the 40-day holy hour challenge where I spent an hour a day for 40 consecutive days that God started to lift the rocks out of my life, the burdens. And you've been doing this for years. What a great practice. Awesome. Uh, so I just wanted to encourage you, BC Nation, no matter how big the rock that's pitting you down in your life right now, maybe you call that rock your wife. <laughs> maybe she calls it her husband. You know, maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your work. Maybe it's your finances. Like all you got to do is schedule time with God and then hand them the rock. 
and then believe he's going to take it. Like, that's it. And then don't take it back, <laughs> you little control freak. <laughs> right, Rich? Anything I no, left maybe. out? What would you add to this? No, it makes perfect sense. And maybe the only thing I would add, what can happen in centering prayer and what can happen in, in the practice you, you, know, you did as well is it's a safe place to sit with God, let go and be healed. And, and at, during this time, our bodies hold a ton of tension. So over time, as you keep doing this practice or your practice or any type of silent practice, the tension is released from your body. And that's really true freedom. And then thoughts are released and repressed thoughts you didn't even know you had are released. And then what's left is just you and God and none of this tension in your body and, and none of this repressed thoughts. And it's just you and God and that's it. And that's true freedom. That's healing. That's God healing you. I love it. BC Nation, you better be inspired right now. And if you're not, check your pulse. <laughs> like seriously, do you want to be healed by God or are you just pretending you do? There was a, a great little thing I, I read. It says, uh, people that share their problems uh, more than once, like two or more times. If you share your, your problems two or more times with someone, the same person, you don't actually want help. You just want sympathy. You just want to be heard. So... Do you want help, BC Nation? Ask the question. Like, do you really want to be set free by your father in heaven? Yes or no? If you do, you can reach out to Rich. He does one-on-one -on -one coaching. He has a very specific spiritual discipline, a tool that works, that he can teach you. You can reach out to me. I have a very specific style. I'm not the same as Rich. Rich is probably a much more easygoing, patient just accommodating coach. I'm guessing. I don't know. He seems very comfortable to be with. And I'm the guy that if you need the swift kick in the pants and a little humor as you're doing the, the, the blowing up some rocks in your life and you want this these things out permanently, you got anger issues, bro. You got control issues and you're constantly blowing up on your wife and your kids and then feeling the guilt and the shame after. And you can't even apologize half the time because you feel so bad and you know you're just going to do it again. Like you want to blow up those rocks? You call me. Right? You go to blowuprocks.com. Blowuprocks.com. Schedule a call. See if I'm your guy. But Rich, let's go into my favorite part of the show here. Because we're really standing in this conversation, dude, for one person who is meant to hear this to ask for help to ask god for help first and then to come ask you rich or to come ask me because we need both that's how god set it up he helps us through others it's very fascinating he lets us participate in our own healing even though he could do it all himself he chooses not to it's beautiful so rich Welcome to my favorite part of the show. Welcome to the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. Are you ready? Yes. What's your favorite thing about God? That he loves me and he's always with me. Amen. What is your least favorite thing about God? He nudges me to get out of my comfort zone and it scares me, but I know I need to do it. <laughs> so true. <laughs> what are you most afraid of? 
crowds. You put me in a huge crowd and, and I, and I get more quiet. I, crowds make me nervous. <laughs> Got it. They encroach on your space. Um, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our lives. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently struggling with right now or challenged by uh, either professionally or personally? I guess earlier I mentioned uh, my first two children are adopted, um, and then I have a natural uh, born son um, who was the eight-year-old I talked about. But they're still my children, my 20-year-old and my 25-year-old. I I struggle with watching them grow up and and knowing when to back off and let them make their own decisions and fail. And it doesn't mean they're failing, but they have to make their own decisions. And it can be hard to watch them maybe make decisions that I might think are poor, but they needed to make so that they could learn. So watching them make decisions in life can can be difficult as a parent, even for an adult, a 20, 25-year-old. You think it's difficult for you? Imagine God looking down, looking at your life choices, right? <laughs> or mine. <laughs> You're like, what are you doing, son? Stop that. <laughs> it's so true. Uh, what did you spend way too much time doing this past year? I, w- I would say planning. You know, sometimes just do it. I don't need to know all the steps. I just need to know uh, the next step. So sometimes you get an analysis paralysis instead of just take the next step and then the clarity will become, uh, the action will become more clear as I take the next step. Stop all my planning and analysis and just move. (laughs) Well said. What secret fear do you have about people other than Um, crowds? (laughs) They don't like me. But I'm, but I'm learning that that's okay, and, and not everybody's going to like me, but I have to at least love them and respect them. Um, but not everybody's going to like me and agree with me and, and like what I say and do, and that's okay. <laughs> it's not only okay, it's the, the target, because like, you're actually saying something that matters then if it divides people. It, it, you know, What do you wish you had learned sooner about God? I mentioned earlier that, you know, God was above me, looking down at me, and I was scared of him. Since, that, since then, I've learned, you know, that God, God is within me, and God is always present, and, and God is, you know, behind me, pushing me forward, and God is holding my hand and walking with me, and God is ahead of me, nudging me forward. So um, I wish I had learned that sooner, but I wasn't ready for it. <laughs> now, now I am. <laughs> it's so true, right? Jesus says, the Father and I will abide in you. We'll come make our dwelling place in you. But you got to invite them. You got to sit with them. Relationship, I define as time spent with another. Time spent with another. If you're not spending time with the other, you're not actually in relationship with them. Right. So look at that with God. Look at that with your spouse, with your kids, and then just spend more time with them and you'll have a better relationship. What's a new habit you want to create in your life, Rich? Journaling. I I know how powerful journaling can be. I do a lot of sitting with God and and I write affirmations down. But journaling is a little bit more than just writing an affirmation down. um, So journaling is something that I I really would like to explore more because I think it's powerful and and I need to uh, begin a a journaling practice, whether it's daily or weekly, it needs to happen. (laughs) Rich, I hated journaling when I did my holy hours, hated it. And and (laughs) until I started practicing it and and saw the benefit. And it was the most rewarding part of the entire uh, just quiet time was that I now had a written record of back and forth conversation with my maker for all the questions I've ever had over my lifetime. 
and I could go back on those off days that we have and feeling like crap days and I could go back and remind myself where God was with me and walked me through that storm and that one and gave me that answer. And it was evidence in a book that God is with you. So highly encourage you, choose that today. Sure. Choose that today, practice it for 40 days and you'll have the habit you want. Uh, what's a bad habit you want to break, brother? At night, uh, I, I need, and I do this, and then I break my own habit. I like to, when I go sit upstairs. I, my wife and I drink coffee together, and we'll watch the favorite show or so. At and night, and at night, but I usually bring coffee. Yes, we yeah. uh, French press is the only way to drink. Oh, coffee. very fancy I'm a coffee sir. drinker. <laughs> but I try to leave my electronics, so my iPad and my phone yeah. downstairs. So the habit I need to break is really just leave it downstairs and stop looking at it. Stop looking at the emails or social media. So I, I need to do a better job of putting it to bed at a certain time each night and not touching it until the next day. <laughs> mm, it's so well said, you know, and you spoke that I love that transparency because it's like in your morning time with God, you would never bring your iPad into your sit time with him. You would never. It'd be rude, disrespectful, right? But we do it with our spouses, and we expect them not to be bothered. Oh, honey, it's work. It's important. Like, what? It's ridiculous. All right. Uh, pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, and I mentioned them earlier, I guess, from my practice. I would say more confident. So confident, excited to live life. And the practice has made me really more present. It's, yes. and I'm, I'm in the moment, present with whatever it is that needs my attention at that time, whether it's my child yeah. or my work or someone that needs me just to listen to them. So confident, excited, and present. Yeah, I loved when you said that earlier because I'm like, yes, it makes us a better listener with people, right? which helps us in our life and our finances for sure. Because <laughs> we always have an opinion of like, Here's what you should fix in your life, right? Like we're unsolicited coaches with everyone in our life. Yet we hate when someone does it to us, right? But it teaches us to just silently listen and be present to that person and their hurt and their story and be curious. Like, hey, why, why did you do that? What were you thinking, you idiot? No, <laughs> but, but like we just sit with them. So that's awesome. Pick three words to describe who you were before you started to sit in silence with your maker you know unsure at times anxious and this is really more than one word but going through the motions so i i, mm. I didn't sometimes it was aimlessness and didn't have a path of what i wanted to do so going through the motions so i hope you'll accept that as my third word <laughs> yeah for sure it's like checking the box of relationship with god like check 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 but not actually experiencing him yeah i get it any final no last question if you could come back to life okay. after you died, Rich, after you died, look your family and friends in the eye, your kids, and give them only one piece of advice about everything, life, death, all of it, what would you say to them? I would say, you know, it comes back to present, you know, be fully present. You know, life and God is in the present, not in the past or the future. So. Uh, life moves fast. I, I can. I remember adopting my first child in 1998, flying to Russia, and here we are, 20 almost 25 years later. It goes fast. So, 
life's in the in the present moment so live life in the present moment be fully present that's where life is and that's where god is i agree so much any final wisdom what's the one thing you want my listener to know about sitting with god and starting that habit versus not i would say try it take baby steps make it the first thing you do in the morning and just do a one or two minute sit and try it for 30 days and, and see what happens but just give it a chance, give it a chance and, and see what happens. And then if you notice it's something that hey, it's not so bad, slowly begin increasing the time to five and 10 and 15 minutes. And then after a while, now you have a practice Add a second sit and, and start all over again with one or two or three minutes and increase that. And then all of a sudden you now have a beautiful twice a day practice that that is helping you reconnect to God on a daily basis. Mm. All right, BC Nation, I hope this episode serves you well. We have given you a tool. Uh, It's the most powerful tool in the spiritual realm. It's the tool of silence with God. Sit and listen. Listening prayer will change your life. And Lord knows we need our lives changed, don't we? All right, Rich, thank you for being on Broken Catholic. I wish you God's love, God's peace and God's joy in your life, sir. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on a bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then What I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently. Like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.